Welcome to Chatterbox Hub. This podcast aims to be your go-to resource for insights, advice and engagement with all things audio and not only. I'm Yulia Stancheva and together with Camilla Luxton, I will be your co-host in this episode. Technology is rapidly evolving and whereas it offers us convenience at our fingertips, it's been predicted that many mainstream jobs will be taken over by advanced robotics, artificial intelligence and machine learning. On the other hand, Technology has been our life boy during lockdown, no doubt about that. I mean, what would our lives have been like if the pandemic had taken place at a few decades ago when we relied on libraries for research and fax machines for instant communication? Now, where do we navigate from here? Through a landscape that will still be largely defined by virtual reality for the foreseeable future, even though we are returning to a new normality. We miss the hacks. The high-fives, the games and the get-togethers. And in the workplace, we miss the chattering, the laughs, the Friday socials. In our virtual office space, our sensory experiences have been reduced to the type touch, the sound of incoming messages and emails, and the visuals from people's homes on Zoom. The 10-second commute to your desktop may be a bonus, but what can we do to find back to a real human connection and awaken our senses? And how vital is this inner connection with our senses and outer human connection for our business success in this ever-growing technical landscape? With us in our virtual studio, we have Kim Arazi, who is a sensory experience designer, creative technologist, storyteller, innovation coach and consultant, and TED Talk speaker. I will let Camilla Luxton tell you more about her guest. If you enjoy listening please do leave a rating on Spotify and SoundCloud or wherever you listen, as it really helps our podcast grow. Kim is also the founder of Innocency, a company that offers multisensory experiences to help us wake up and become more conscious humans. These experiences have been held at the UN Climate Change Conference and at other major events around the globe and are also available for smaller groups. Welcome, Kim. Thank you, Camilla. It's great to be here with you today. How has lockdown been for you? Well, as I work from home anyway, it, that part hasn't really affected me. So it's not a big shock for me to have to stay at home and manage my time and find time to take breaks and exercise and all of this because that's sort of my regular life. So from that aspect, it hasn't changed very much. But what has been a huge challenge is that all my work is to do with in-person events. So I do live events and create these experiences that use the senses. And this is all about being in person and the energy in the room. So I've had to have a real think about how do I adapt to this new world where we are all virtual and be able to create that same sense of connection through our senses when we have screens between us. And, and how have you managed to find workarounds? So the onset of COVID-19 inspired me to stop and listen to what people really need in this time, which I found to be human connection, especially for those who are on their own within four walls and completely disconnected from any human contact, which in turn can also disconnect them from themselves if they start going into a downward spiral, which can lead to depression. So I thought about with the work I do, how can I make a difference? And 
what I came up with uh, was I got together with a very dear friend of mine and colleague called Luciana Carvelo Say, and she has uh, she's a co-founder of a mental health startup called MindCheck. So from the mental health perspective, she was very interested in how can we address this this loneliness, this disconnection. Um, and looking at it from sort of that side of things. And I'm interested in how can I bring the experiences that I normally do in person into the virtual world to help with the loneliness, with the disconnection. So together we came up with um, a new concept called the virtual table. And basically we want to reclaim the feeling of togetherness found around the dinner table which is known as commensality, during a time of physical distancing, during a time of social isolation and great uncertainty. And so we decided to create these dining experiences where we'll bring live musical performances, which will bring in a more emotional, almost meditative element to help us connect back to ourselves. And the concept was basically designed as a safe space for people to come together to share a meal, a meal which they've prepared on their own because they're doing this from the comfort of their own home, and explore a theme through various modalities. So, so far we've explored the themes of spring, freedom, trust, and courage. And the next one will be on magic. And we can see people really opening up and allowing themselves to be vulnerable and really speak about what they're feeling, which is, is truly beautiful. What we're also seeing is that people are able to get out of their heads. So what uh, most people are experiencing in the last few months is that they're on Zoom calls all day, right? If you're in a job and now you're working from home, you're continuing to work, but you're doing it virtually. So you're constantly on these Zoom in these Zoom meetings. And it really takes a toll on you. It's really um, draining because it's it's harder to connect. It's harder to understand. You're not seeing people's emotions. Even sometimes their facial expressions don't express really what they're feeling or you're not seeing them if they're not on camera. So it takes a lot more out of us. And so by the end of the day, the last thing people would want is to go on another Zoom dinner and we get that. But the idea of what we're doing on Zoom, we are using the same technology, but what we're doing is trying to get people out of their heads and into their bodies and into their feelings. So even if we're doing a, a dinner with a the theme of courage or trust, we're, we're not only looking at it from an intellectual perspective where we're discussing uh, what's going on in the world and, and, and so forth, but we're actually trying to get people to feel and sense what that concept is to them through smell, through taste, through what they brought to the table to eat, through um, meditation, through listening to poetry. So it's a very different experience than, than what they're getting otherwise on Zoom. And uh, we've done about five of them now and it's been going quite well. We've had really good feedback and um, we'll keep going. We'll keep continuing with this until we feel there isn't a need anymore. But what is uh, very interesting about it, and you know, at first I was hesitant because I thought, how can I bring this kind of safe space and, and uh, a type of experience where the energy in the room is so important, how can I bring that to the virtual world? Will it work online? But what I found is, number one, when people are in the comfort of their own homes, they tend to be more uh, open 
because they're comfortable. They're not sitting at a table in a strange place. They're in their dining room or living room, so they feel at home. And so I've noticed they're more free to open up. So that's one thing that I think is really positive about doing this online. And the second thing is we get to include people from so many different backgrounds and countries. We've had dinners that had over 10 countries represented. And these are people, you know, who have very diverse opinions and have lived through very different experiences. So when you're talking about the theme of trust or courage, the stories that we're hearing from the different guests at the table are so interesting and diverse. And this opens us up to new perspectives. And I think that is so beneficial. And, and I don't think we would get that if we had a live event, because if I'm holding an event here in London or in Madrid or in Lisbon, you're going to have the local people attending and it will be a very specific perspective we get. So it's it's really nice to have that sort of international, diverse um, table of guests. So I think those are the two really positive things um, that doing it virtually brings. Do you think this is um, perhaps a new trend, if you like, that you will bring in back into or bring with you rather than when we go back to normality, whatever that will look like, you know, when we can actually meet each other and and be at a proper table, not just a virtual table? Yes, it's very possible. I mean, one of our guests wrote an article about it and she said, I think even when we are back, uh, I don't think we're going back to normality. It'll be a new normal. But when we are back uh, seeing people and, and able to go out again, she felt that this will continue on even in a virtual way because it's just showing us that technology can connect us if we use it in the right way. Do you be interested to hear a little bit about your own journey and where you started out? And because your mix of being, um, you know, with a human connection and all this, the senses uh, being a big part of what you do, you also have a technology background. And what was your journey to be able to get to a place where you're now marrying the two sides of things? Yeah, sure. So I can just tell you what Innocency is, my company. So Innocency is all about innovating with sense and sense in both senses of the word, using our common sense and our senses. It's also about going within because I don't believe we can innovate organizations, you know, systems, our companies, our businesses, if we don't first innovate our own mindsets. So I believe we have to go within, we have to innovate inside out, I call it. Um, so it's a sensory innovation lab that fuels creativity and innovation through multi-sensory experiences designed to help us reconnect to ourselves, to each other, and to the environment. And we use principles from neuro and behavioral sciences to do this, and our, all our experiences aim to break down barriers, challenge assumptions, and again, really help us innovate inside out. So why did I start this company? I started it about a year and a half ago after working in, in big tech events for years. I was really at the forefront of tech and innovation um, since 2006, I would say, where I curated and produced large international conferences, award ceremonies, CEO summits, networking events, you name it, uh, to showcase the hottest disruptors in tech that are changing the way we work and live. And the idea with all these big events was to help introduce the big corporates to the new you know, innovators, the disruptors who are going to change the world. But what I noticed for the most part was that technology was really just being designed because it could be. And I felt that actually when we look deeper, it was 
not putting humans at the center at all. They were not human-centric ideas, most of these things. So technology is being built all the time without people thinking about how it's going to impact us, our mental health, the health of the environment. All of that just goes by the wayside. It's all about, oh, here's a new technology. We can make money off of it, you know? So I found that these technologies, again, for the most part, of course, there's wonderful technologies that connect us. But for the most part, I found that a lot of these, these new things coming out and, you know, there's another platform for social media. There's another platform for mobile banking. You know, they were actually just disconnecting us from ourselves and from each other and effectively making us emotionally numb. So it was this observation of the collective numbness I started to feel. People are just touching screens, pressing buttons. They're no longer interacting with each other and they're just becoming more and more addicted to technology, which is what made me think there must be a way to get people to reconnect to themselves and each other and feel more human. So I became really fascinated with how our senses are a pathway to our emotions and can help us be present. And so I began experimenting with creating sort of events and experiences that bring us back to ourselves using the senses as a way in. And as I'm a foodie, and I noticed that people are much more relaxed when eating together around a table, you know, I try these experiences as a meal. So that's how it all started, my first multisensory dining experience, which focused on the benefits of plant-based eating and celebrated the plant, basically. It also incorporated VR and AR to help the guests challenge perceptions and go deeper into the topic. So I only incorporate technology when I feel it truly enhances the experience and helps take it to the next level, really challenges perceptions. Otherwise, I don't use it just to use it. So that it started with that. It was called Root to Flower. And... Um, it was launched at London Food Tech Week uh, for the food industry. And from that, I just kept going. I'm like, okay, this seems to work. People really felt connected to the topic because they were experiencing it through all their senses. And they left the, the dinner feeling, yeah, I, I would just say connected rather than just going to a dinner and having a topic that you speak about. Here, they were smelling things. They had soundscapes for each course. They were touching things. They were eating courses that came out of the earth itself. They were using their hands. I mean, it was such a sensory experience that they did not forget it, and it made them look at things in a new way. So that was the same experience that I, I later brought to the UN Climate Change Conference to help uh, heads of delegations from around the world see the benefits of plant-based eating as well. How wonderful. According to the World Economic Forum's Future of Jobs report, creativity and emotional intelligence are listed among the top 10 skills needed to succeed in the future workplace. We have a client base with both big and small companies, and I would be interested to hear in how you and your company could help. Yes, definitely. So before the pandemic, um, we were already working on a concept called Sensing the Future. And this is designed specifically for companies, organizations large and small. Uh, and it's made up of both dining experiences and workshops, which are designed to help leaders embrace the skills, exactly those skills you mentioned, needed for the future of work those skills listed by the World Economic Forum, by exploring the crucial role our senses play in helping us become more creative, connected, and conscious humans. So basically, we help people go inside themselves and experience skills like empathy, building trust, critical thinking, creativity through their senses. So um, the Sensing the Future dining experience has 
um, been around for a little bit. We're, we're tweaking it all the time. And it's a five-course meal where each course engages one particular sense. And it's very interactive. So you are practicing all those skills. For example, in the course where sight is the main sense, half of the table um, doesn't have their sight. It's taken away from them with a blindfold. And the other half of the table has to feed them something that they don't know what it is. So if you look at that in terms of leadership and in terms of the future of work skills, well, the person feeding has to really use emotional intelligence and have empathy for the person they are feeding because the, the, the feedee, you want to call it, doesn't know what they're eating and probably doesn't even know the person very well who's feeding them. So how do you have the empathy and understanding to make that person feel comfortable in a very awkward situation? And then the, the feedee, the person who's being fed, you know, how, how they're looking at how do they trust this person? And, and the person who's feeding also has to think about how to build trust. So these are all, and that's just in one course. So these are all skills that are so crucial and important as we move forward and AI and robotics take over a lot of the more analytical and repetitive work. It's all these human skills that are going to come to the forefront. We need to really work on those. We need to develop them. We need to practice them. And we need to be, you know, teaching the young who come into the companies that this is what we're looking for. This is uh, having these skills is going to help you succeed because without them, I don't see a future. It's, it's the human skills that will keep us separate from the machines. That's what we bring to the world. Oh, that sounds all very, very positive. A lot of our listeners will be working from home and will have children around them. Now, the big question for me is how can we help our children tap back into their senses? Yeah, so we all know it's extremely difficult to keep children engaged all day long, especially when you have your own work to do and, you know, there's a lot going on. So I totally get that it's it's a challenge right now and it's much easier to just let your kids be in front of screens, whether it's television screen, computer screen or their mobile playing games, watching videos, whatever. Of course, that's the easiest thing. And that's probably what they want to do if you ask them. However, if we can find some ways to get them off their screens and more into their senses, it'll be beneficial for everyone as it will definitely boost their mood and their creativity. It, it'll just help the whole kind of yeah mood in the home. So for example, just going for walks in nature with them, taking if, if you have access, of course, but if, if you can take them for a walk in, in the forest or just anywhere outside um, where they can hear the sounds of nature, they can feel the earth, or maybe you live near water, trees, rocks, the smells, the sense of the outdoors, you know, this awakens their senses and right away changes their state. So they feel much more connected. That's really, really important. I'd say number one is getting them into nature because that just heightens all of the senses. And then having them do anything with their hands. So from even from helping, you know, with the food preparation for lunch or dinner, getting them thinking about it. You know, what do you feel like eating for dinner? Do you want to help, you know, peel the carrots, whatever. Just having them touch and feel and smell the foods they're about to eat also is something it it'll get them interested more in what they're eating and cooking it'll help you and also um, again it gets them out of their sort of numbness of sitting in front of a screen so from from helping with the food preparation to arts and crafts to drawing to building anything you know using lego or blocks to even if they're a bit older sewing they can sew masks so they're doing it for a purpose 
But using their hands is really satisfying for them. And it makes them aware of how things feel, which is very different than just touching a screen, right? Also helping them become more aware of smells, playing games where they maybe guess a food by its smell, um, having them describe smells and how it makes them feel. I know when I was a kid, I used to make my own perfumes. I would like mix shampoos and like flowers and different things. And so just fun stuff like that, where they're using their senses to be creative is just really, really beneficial. And of course, listening to different kinds of music with them and asking them how it makes them feel or, or having them draw something when they listen. So they're using their imagination. And then finally, if they are watching TV, or watching anything in front of a screen to try to at least part of the time I know we're all busy but part of the time watch it with them and then stop the show at certain points to ask them questions about the plot to ensure they really understand and and to see how the various storylines make them feel or see if they relate to any of the characters and why so this way you're using tv to teach them critical thinking which is a very important skill to have and to help them understand the world and themselves better so it's almost like using the the screen or the television as a tool to actually help them understand themselves that then it's turning into a positive thing that's brilliant. I think it's also been really interesting to see, you know, as our children were, were getting older and started getting into YouTubing and playing games and stuff that they also developed this craving for making slime, you know, it's almost as if it presented itself. Yes, so slime totally makes sense if you think about it, because slime, playing with slime is a very sensory experience, right? It's it's gooey, it's liquidy, it's it's feels really good in your hands. It can actually release stress, you know, when you're, you're, you're opening, closing your hands and feeling all the, the goo on it. It's, it's just a nice feeling. So actually that, that totally makes sense. And I think it's a great way to um, explore your creativity and just really play. It comes back to playing. Playing is important for children and for adults, by the way. But it's it's very, very important to have that time. So I think it's great that your kids are into slime. And as for YouTube, um, yes, uh, most teenagers are, are on YouTube a lot. But one thing that I suppose you could suggest to your kids is um, they might be watching a lot of YouTube videos, but what are they actually watching? Are they watching people playing music? Well, maybe they want to pick up an instrument and start playing themselves. Or are they, you know, watching, um, are they into games? For example, my nephews are really into to gaming and they could play for hours and hours. My brother has to like, you know, pry them away from the their screens. But what I suggested to my brother is why don't you tell them, you know, half the time you been playing games, why don't you learn to code? And you can code your own games. So it's giving them a skill. They're actually learning something. They're being productive. It's something that will definitely help them down the line in life. But it's also super fun because they're getting to create what they'll play. And there's probably things in the games they wish they had or they would like to change. Well, here they can go do that. So I think there's ways to, to get your kids to um, do something creative and create new products, uh, but doing it in a way that they feel is fun. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Giving them power in a way then, isn't it? Exactly. 
And what are you working on at the moment? At the moment, due to COVID, I'm working on various other um, workshops for companies to help as people come back into the workplace slowly, how to adapt back because they're going to be carrying a lot of fear and anxiety about you know the uncertainties of the future, which we already had before, but now are just going to be much bigger and much more accelerated. So I'm working with other partners who have different expertise to come together and give them from workshops to talks to gamified experiences where they feel they're in a safe space to talk about their fears and their anxieties and to let go of the stories maybe they've been telling themselves that the company's been telling itself so that they're able to start on a, a fresh page and really move from there because the the needs of companies going forward are changing because of what we're going through and I don't think any company is thinking it's just going to be back to how it was. It's going to be very different. And we need to be aware that people need to adapt to that. So that's what I'm working on now. So in a way, that makes me think that uh, COVID-19 has also offered some or is offering some opportunities for us, not just challenges, opportunities to think um, in new ways and, and be innovative and pioneering. Absolutely. I think it's such an opportunity right now. I mean, I have my whole my whole philosophy of, of why this is happening and, and how it's a blessing. You know, quickly, I just think this great pause is something that we couldn't have brought upon ourselves. We needed it, but we wouldn't have done it. When would the world just stop? It doesn't. So this almost had to happen for us to sit back and reflect and be able to think, what, what do we want going forward? And even if you think in terms of technology, we were on this path already to go more virtual, you know, VR is going to become more and more prominent and to do more things at the touch of a screen. That was just getting more and more um, normal, I suppose. But this accelerated everything. So now we only have screens to use. And my, my hope is that it's giving us a taste of where we were headed. And now we have the chance to say, hmm, do I like this? Do I like having all my relationships behind a screen and being stuck in my house and not having to, you know, not being able to go out and actually meet people physically? Because that's where we were going. So if we don't like it, now this is our chance to sit back and say, okay, this is our time to reflect. It's almost like we're purging. It's a detox and we're purging. And now we can start fresh and let's start to create companies, you know, businesses, products and services that really are positive for us, for the environment, that help us be more human rather than take that away from us. So I think it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for um, companies to have a rethink in how they do things internally, which will then affect how they choose what products and services to offer and what messaging they send out there. I think this is um, how we choose to take it, to reflect and think about what we really want and what our values really are. Because I think all these people coming back to work have now had a chance to spend more time with their families, be with their kids, be outdoors. They're not going to want to go back to how it was. So we have to uh, appreciate this and use it as an opportunity to change the way we work. It wasn't working before. It was leading to a lot of mental health issues, physical health issues. We know it wasn't working. The system wasn't working. So let's change it. 
So I'm very excited about what the future holds. This is so interesting. And thank you so much for your time, Kim. Um, if any of our clients would like to get in touch with you, where can they find you? So you can find out more about my company, Innocency, on my website, which is www.innocency.com. If you would like to find out more about the virtual table and attend a table there every second Thursday, you can go to virtualtable.club. We're also on Instagram, Virtual Table Club and on Twitter. And otherwise you can find me on LinkedIn under Kim Arazi. Thank you so much, Kim, for giving us of your time and your insights. And it's been a pleasure to have you as our guest on um, this podcast. Thank you, Camilla. It's been a pleasure. The world is more connected than ever before, yet we are the most disconnected than we have ever been. I cannot agree more with Kim Arazi. As she says, we cannot innovate organizations, systems, companies or businesses if we don't first innovate our own mindsets. And her Sensory Innovation Lab provides a great way to fuel our creativity through multisensory experiences designed to help us reconnect to ourselves and each other. All these sensory experiences are aimed to help us break down barriers and challenge assumptions, helping us become more creative, connected and conscious humans. Through awakening our senses and experiencing empathy, trust, critical thinking and creativity, we firm up our much-needed human skills in time of great technology use, which will keep us separated from the machines and the artificial intelligence. If you want to experience the virtual table project with Kim Azari, head to her website, innocency.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you have enjoyed listening, please do go leave a rating on Spotify or wherever you listen to our podcast, as it really helps it grow. In our next episode, I will have the absolute pleasure to chat to another insightful and inspiring guest. Stay tuned. Oh!